It is that time again. Time for Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. A delight to have you with us on this Wednesday. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at Delta Dental Covers Me. Com. And uh, joining me this morning, as he has on any number of mornings since we uh, started this program, is Scott Spradling. Mr. Spradling, good morning to you. Good morning, Mr. Kale. How are you this morning? I am doing uh, very, very well, especially in <laughs> light of what happened in the sports world last night. Not only did we get oh a win from the, uh, from the Celtics, we got a win from the Red Sox as well. So there you go. I have absolutely not given up hope or optimism around the Red Sox. I am in awe of what Tampa is doing, but it's early in the season. So I I don't worry too much about the ones that come out of the starting gate really quickly. It's the ones who can finish strong that I care about. And I think the Red Sox still have the core of a good team. Well, I'll tell you what was very encouraging uh, last night in their 5-4, 10-inning win over Minnesota was Chris Sale. He looked like the, the Chris yeah. Sale of five or six years ago. I completely agree. And, he's, you know, he's dealt with so many injury battles to have to overcome, and significant ones, that he deserves a little bit of time to sort of spin up. And, and the, the ability is still there. The touch is still there. What we're hoping for is the stamina is still there. But it, it's great. I love that they sort of took it back. And, you know, every win kind of matters right now because of the Rays doing so well. But they're they're hanging tough, you know. They've got they've got a good record. They're nine and nine. They're doing fine, and they're in a tough and competitive division. They so are. We're we're off to a fine start. I I I think it, you have to say it, it's the uh, the best division in baseball from top to bottom. I I really believe I think that. you're right, and I don't think I there's think you're right. anybody that's even close in, in no. terms of all five teams in the division. Yeah, so I agree. And listen, you know, you put up you put up three runs in the bottom of the tenth inning to come back and win. You're something to be messed with, you know. I mean, this, this is a this is a team that's got some horsepower, and they've got that little twinge of the lead. You, you know, you remember the the band of idiots, right? Oh yes, this was a team that we the, we knew they had skills, but what they had was heart, yep. and a never say die attitude. And I love that in a uniquely in the baseball world. I love that kind of vibe, and I feel like this team has it. They've got some characters. We're getting to know them. I'm excited about the season. Yeah, of course, uh, Alex Verdugo had the walk-off hit last night that landed in a spot that I have never seen a ball land in at Fenway Park. In all the years I've been either watching on TV or going to games, I've never seen a ball land in that location before, and it baffled a lot of people. It did. It definitely did. Yeah, Yeah. well, because that right field area is just the craziest pesky pole carve-out spot that doesn't exist in any other ballpark. Right. So I, I'm with you. Yeah. That was a wild spot for it to land. It, it really was. And then he, he got on TV afterwards and uh, said a few things he probably shouldn't have said, but uh, it, was, <laughs> it was a very colorful interview. Let's put it that way. From, it indeed from, was. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> I love the passion of the players. That's <laughs> right. Now, it, it was a great win, though. It really was. And uh, against a, a team whose uh, pitching staff was the best in baseball coming into the game yes. last night. But, Absolutely. But they, they gift-wrapped it pretty well. I mean, uh, I, I love Christian Vasquez, but he didn't have his best night behind the plate last night for Minnesota. 
Yeah, no, he, he didn't. But, he didn't. Uh, but at any rate, I feel like he gave one to us. Maybe he was he was feeling generous or something. Th- but between that and the and the Celtics going up two to nothing oh, to build man. some playoff basketball momentum over Atlanta, um, they're looking strong. And oh my gosh, the playoff basketball world is is um, is as unpredictable as it gets when you get such star players on other teams going down with injuries and being questionable for future games that, that puts their own playoff series on the line. It's an interesting alignment of how things have happened. Oh, so, really and then is. you've got the Bruins who won the oh, other night. So, man. Um, so far, so good. My, my, my clicker is getting a workout. I'll have to buy some more batteries today, <laughs> I think. But, uh, yeah, I think everybody's exactly. is. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I yeah, I don't know if they even sell. Do they even sell uh, TVs with split screens anymore? I don't know. Remember that yeah, was a, that's that, a good question. That was a big and, thing, uh, you know, yeah. a number of years ago. But uh, I agree. I haven't, I haven't I, seen one because in mine a while. doesn't. Yeah, mine yeah. doesn't, and I have a, I have a reasonably new TV. Yeah, I, and yeah, that's a really good question, Ken. I think we need to send Cat out on an investigative. Uh, journalism run there, to there find you go. out yep. whatever uh, happened to split screen. I, I know. You know. So what I have to do sometimes, I, I don't have two televisions together. Uh, so, you know, I just have, uh, you know, the, the one game on my iPad and one game on, on the big screen. So that that's what I've been doing. And then, you know, that's a good solution. going back and forth. I mean, it's, it's busy. It's a busy time of the year. Bruins will be playing tonight, game two of their series, and we'll see what the status of uh, Patrice Bergeron is. There's been some question about his his status, whether he was hurt, whether he was sick. It seems to be uh, right. questionable. But one way or the other, the the bees did win. I don't think they played their greatest game the other night, but they managed to win. So so that's a good thing against Florida. And uh, I I look at it uh, like like right now in this first round, the both the Celtics and Bruins are getting a little tune up for what's right. going to happen next. <laughs> Yeah, that is exactly right. That is exactly right. And they're both in strong positions because they're both, they are two teams. I mean, the Bruins had made history this year, but the Celtics are arguably one of the top two or three teams in all of the NBA. So New England sports fans right now are are really in, uh, can be enjoying a sense of nirvana at the moment with a lot of high quality. And as we all know, especially in, in hockey, but in, we all know that in the playoffs, crazy things can happen. So you can't take anything for granted, but you can appreciate how well they've played all season long in both of those uh, sports. So, you know, we've seen, how, how often have we seen a hockey team kind of come out of nowhere because a goalie oh, gets hot yeah. and you can't score on him and they start burning through you know, other teams because they just hit the right momentum at the right time. I feel like that's really unique to that sport. Um, but, you know, basketball, basketball can be the same way. We've seen, we've seen lower-seeded teams get suddenly hot. It's a, it's a little bit of like the extension of, of, um, of March Madness, whatever, whatever the alliterative yep. term would be for April. <laughs> April insanity, but that's not, that's AI. Yep. But, um, awesome it, April. It's unpredictable. Awesome <laughs> there, April. There you, go. there you go. <laughs> there, we, there we go. <laughs> but but at, at any rate, it, it is the, the uh, a great time of year for sports fans, especially when you have, you know, both of your teams involved and uh, and both right. with a shot to go all the way. There's no, no doubt about that. They both have a shot. Oh, yeah. So how would you, yeah. I want to ask you, because I've asked a number of different people and I get different responses. 
And uh, how how would you handle the Bruins goaltending situation? I mean, both you know Linus Ullman and and Jeremy Swayman have been great uh, all season long, but you know usually in in the postseason in the Stanley Cup playoffs, a team will pretty much you know stick with one goaltender unless that one goaltender really you know stinks stinks up the joint. Uh, yeah. So how how would you handle this situation? I would approach it exactly the way I've approached it in the regular season. If it ain't fixed, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And this back and forth approach that they have had going through the season, I think should continue through the playoffs and they just go back and forth and keep using them. And my argument for that would be number one, you keep both of them as fresh and as game ready as possible. And then number two, if there's ever a night where one of them is struggling and you can tell they're struggling, you have an opportunity to plug the other in to be game ready. So my sense is don't make any changes to what you've been doing and just figure out based on whatever the rotation looks like, who goes in on which night. So I would keep them both in the game and both fresh because they both played at such a high level. They did. And I, I agree 100%. I can't argue with that logic, Scott Spradling. Uh, it's exactly the way I, I would approach it. And, uh, of course, you remember the last time the Bees won the Cup in uh, 2011. Uh, right. You know, it was uh, Tim Thomas who really took over. And, I mean, he, he stole did. that series, uh, stole he that did. Cup for the Bruins. Yeah. Yep. He, yep. And he's the perfect prime example of what happens when a team has a goalie who becomes just out of his mind, insanely good during a stretch run in the playoffs. And it seems to happen just about every year. Yep. So, you know, I hope, hopefully, where, wherever that's happening in the NHL playoffs, either A, it happens with our goalies, or B, it happens in a different conference, and that team runs out of steam before they go all the way. <laughs> well, there's a long way to go, obviously, in the postseason. And it's Absolutely. a lot of fun. And uh, lots of twists and turns uh, will be coming our way. And uh, we have a great show uh, coming our way in Manchester coming up later this month. And I want you to stand by because we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here in just a moment or two. But coming up, uh, we're going to talk about uh, your next performance of uh, yes, sir. the Scott Spradling Band. And we'll give people <laughs> details coming up in just a few minutes right here. It's Kale and Company Live on WKXL, presented by... Northeast Delta Dental. Scott Spradling is our guest, and uh, we'll be talking about uh, a very special day coming up in Manchester. So I want you to be, uh, you know, be listening. Get your calendars out so you can circle the date. WKXL, Kale and Company Live will continue after these words, so stay with us. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Scott Spradling is our guest, the leader of the Scott Spradling Band. And uh, Scott, you'll be in action again uh, later this month in the Queen City. Yes, sir. April 30th, Rex Theater, downtown Manchester, 2 p.m., we will be gathering on stage in front of friends and family and music lovers and playing a wide variety of music for 
for folks to be able to just uh, sing along, jump up in their seats, dance with us, and have a great time. You know, you say wide variety, and that is so true. You you guys are very diverse, and, uh, you know, no matter what genre of music it might be, uh, you guys perform it very, very well. Oh, that's very kind, Ken. Thank you. You know, we, we have a lot of fun, and, um, uh, you know, in this world, especially post-COVID, we all kind of understand you need your escapes, you need your fun, you need your side hustle, whatever you whatever you need to be able to um, to blow off steam or reduce stress or just find your joy. And um, I, I'm with, uh, I'm blessed to be um, allied with uh, uh, 10 other amazing musicians. There's, there, I have a, a fellow co-lead singer named Soraya, and she can just get it done. And we've got a full horn section and a full rhythm section, so we can do everything from the big brass sound of old Chicago tunes from the early 70s to big band swing like Michael Buble. Uh, we'll throw some Elton John and Billy Joel at you, maybe some big bad voodoo daddy. So we've got a little bit of rock. We've got some jazz. We've got some, some hits from the seventies and eighties and nineties. And, and we just try to swing along and have, make sure everybody has a great time. Well, it, it, you were terrific. I've only seen you once and that was at the Rex. <laughs> and that is a great, that that's got to be a great room to play. I would think. Oh, Oh, my gosh. So Peter Ramsey, who runs the Palace Theater and the Rex Theater in downtown Manchester, is a dear friend. And I am so appreciative that he looks to us every six months or so to, to come back in and, and, uh, and try to pack the house and, and have some folks have some fun. And the Rex, I'll tell you, Ken, the Rex is a really fun, really, really fun venue. It has a similar vibe to the, uh, the Bank of New Hampshire stages, the downtown yeah, Concord. Yeah. These little... These sort of cozy venues put the musicians or the actors, depending on what you're doing on stage, basically in an intimate setting with the audience. And you're close, you're able to interact better and more completely, and these are wonderful venues. And I just think that for the state of New Hampshire, we're extremely fortunate to have these venues checkerboarded all over the state of New Hampshire so that we can go and enjoy comedians and different acts or special events. And, and I mean, it's just, it's wonderful. So for a guy like me who just has this little sort of sidebar hobby and enjoys getting on stage to sing every once in a while, these kinds of venues like the Rex Theater are just fantastic. And if you've never been to the Rex Theater, it is a classic flat-floored black box theater with an elevated stage and the bar built in right in back. It seats about 300. It's cozy, but it's warm and, and just, it's perfect. And it, they, the, the floor setup can allow you to have a traditional concert where everybody's seated in rows in comfy chairs, or you can move the chairs out of the way and do a function that's like a, a dinner theater type of thing. Yeah. So that kind of flexibility is the new norm, and I, I just love it. And Peter Ramsey is just a, a sweet guy for inviting us back over and over. Well, hats off to Peter for all he's done uh, for both the Palace uh, and the Rex, and he has just done a, a bang-up job. I know they have uh, rent coming up. Uh, starting right. this weekend at the Palace. So all kinds of entertainment options here in southern and central New Hampshire. And as you said, we're blessed to have all of the great uh, venues that we do have in uh, very close proximity. And uh, April 30th, and uh, are there any uh, any seats still available? There are a few seats left. There are a few dozen left. So if anybody's interested, they can just jump on to rextheater.org and... Uh, order their tickets right online. We are we're we're one of the next up, so we're easy to find. April thirtieth, two p.m. So it's a Sunday afternoon, 
uh, I'd say it's it's the perfect time because people haven't gotten outside just yet. It's still sort of late spring. Most folks haven't necessarily planned anything in that calendar. So it's an ideal time to come downtown, maybe grab lunch and come hear us or come hear us and then go go drinks afterwards. However you want to play it, I think it's a it, it, it or, shapes up for a fun Sunday. Or drinks during the show because there's that Absolutely. bar right in the back of the theater. So there you- the bar is open, <laughs> <laughs> and the more you drink, the better we sound. I now, promise. Now, now this is a, this is a great tribute to you because no matter what's on that day, and you know that you know I know the Red Sox are playing, and uh, maybe the Celtics will be playing, the Bruins, but they whatever's on, I'm giving it up. <laughs> to, to see to see you and the band perform, Scott. That, you are a kind that's, man. That's my ultimate tribute that's, to anybody. That's dedication. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ken. So for those listening, who, anybody who wants to come and, and party and hang out with Ken Kale, I've now set up that date for you. Uh, there You're you welcome. go. April 30th uh, <laughs> at, at the Rex. And you know what? I, 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 everything was great. I mean, every song you played was terrific. The, the one that stuck with me the most because I've never seen any cover band, and I mean that in a good way. You guys are, are terrific. Yeah, it's what we are. Yeah, yeah, and I never, I've never seen any other cover band, and I've seen quite a few, uh, try to tackle a Tower of Power cover. <laughs> yeah, and I applaud you guys for that because they, they are one of my favorite bands of all time, and oh, uh, they're thanks, they're man. hard to hard to match. But you guys it, it did. You, you sounded great. You sounded great. And I, and, I, and believe it or not, even though all of the players that, that I have the good fortune to perform with, um, even though all of us have day jobs, there are some of the guys in my horn section who have actually played as subs for groups like Power of Power. Wow. So I've yeah. got some real horsepower yeah. and uh, some real talent, some quality talent. Oh. Uh, you know, these, these guys and gals in the band are... They, I've got an anesthesiologist. I've got a financial advisor. Um, I have a um, an IT company leader. A uh, couple of people are retired. Others work in manufacturing. So I have a little bit of everything. Um, but I've, I'm very blessed that this particular group comes together, and, and we just have a good time. We share our love of music, and they've got some real chops. And it comes through. I mean, the fun you're having Thanks, on stage Kevin. comes through. It, it really and, and truly does. It, you know, you're having a good time. The audience is having a great time. And uh, it's, it's just, uh, uh, you, you got to, folks, as, as Scott said, tickets are in short supply. So uh, get online uh, right now at the rextheater.org. Org, is that what it is, rextheater.org? That is, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and order those tickets for April 30th at 2 o'clock. Drop anything else that you might have happening that day <laughs> and get over and see the uh, Scott Spradling Band because you will not regret it. It's a great show. And I uh, saw them the last time they were there for the first time that I have ever seen them. But, uh, you know, now I'm becoming addicted. You know, now I'm looking for when, <laughs> for when you're playing. I, I've always looked for when, you know, Tower of Power is playing. And I've been lucky to see them. You know, I, I'm going to see them in May uh, in Hampton. And actually, I've seen them. I saw them on New Year's Eve in Massachusetts in Beverly, Mass. I, I saw them uh, on my birthday in, in uh, Laconia at the Colonial Theater in, in Laconia. And now I'm going to see them in, in Hampton in May. So I, I, I've, really, I've really lucked out this year. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, um, it's fantastic that they are still touring. And again, for these, like, for these wide variety of different size venues, you have a wide variety of different bands that will come and fill those venues. Tower Power is one that it is an incredible fusion of like uh, jazz with lots of horns with kind of a, a rock and almost R&B flavor to it. They, they were a huge, huge band back in the day. And they're just one of a series of, of performances that are coming through. I mean, you've got Earth, Wind, and Fire joined by Lionel yeah. Richie going on tour this summer and into right. the fall. And yeah. I mean, that's a that that's a great throwback. But holy cow, you just think about the songbook; those two titans of music are bringing to the fray from the '70s and '80s. And I mean, that's going to be a great show. And these cats are still touring, so there's a lot of great years. live music that's still there. Yeah, fifty-five incredible. years Tower of Power has been around. And then I saw another lineup at the uh, at the MGM uh, at outside Fenway Park. They have that new venue right outside yes. Fenway, the MGM yes. uh, Music Hall or whatever they call it. Yeah, uh, I have not been inside that venue yet, but I am tempted uh, because in May they have Cool uh, and the Gang, the Spinners, and the Average White Band on one bill. I love it. I love it. The spinners, games people play. That's one of the tunes that we do. And so that there's a you've got a you've got some great music that people have always enjoyed available in these intimate venues that makes you feel like you get a chance to practically like grab a mic and join along because of the proximity. You're just right on top of each other. So I mean this is just fantastic. There's a lot of great live music and one of the things that I so love about New Hampshire is our ability to, to offer this kind of thing to friends and visitors and tourists alike. I mean, the creative economy, whether it's arts and music or other things like the League of New Hampshire Craftsmen and what they do, it's a great boon to the economy, and it gets us all out of the house. And that is true. That is true. And you get people dancing in their seats on, on the aisles, and it's it's just yeah. great. Uh, the Scott Spradling Band, folks, April 30th. I can't stress it enough. 2 o'clock. At rextheater.org, get your tickets right now. Go online right now because they're going like hotcakes, as they say. And uh, Scott, can't wait to see you on the 30th. Thanks for joining us today and uh, look forward to having you back in the studio in the not-too-distant future. You got it, brother. I'll see you in a few days, and thanks again for the time. All right, Scott. Thank you. Have a great day. That's Scott Spradling, Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. And coming up, believe it or not, we're going to talk a little horse racing here on WKXL. So stand by for more terrific excitement. Kale and Company live presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And our next guest is a member of the Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame, also an 11-time winner of the Sovereign Award as the best thoroughbred story of the year, and he's been a sports writer for over 30 years with the Edmonton Journal and the Calgary Herald. We welcome Curtis Stock to the program. Curtis, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Ken. How's things there? Uh, things are, are, are not bad, a little bit cooler than we might like, but uh, wh where are you right now? We're in Edmonton, and it's cooler than you are, that's for sure. we got a high <laughs> of three Celsius today. Beautiful Edmonton, Alberta, and uh, Curtis is the author of the new book, The Turcots, the remarkable story of a horse racing 
dynasty. So uh, right off the bat, I have two questions for you, Curtis. Two questions. Yeah. Who's going to win the Stanley Cup and who's going to win the Kentucky Derby? <laughs> well, I've, I've been in a couple uh, hockey pools the last couple of days, and I took players from both uh, Edmonton and Boston. So I'm looking for an Edmonton-Boston Stanley Cup. And the Kentucky Derby, I still haven't found the horse I like. Forte is the heavy favorite at this moment, but uh, I'm looking for a long shot. Well, I'm, I'm glad you have the Bruins in the conversation anyway, because we're, we're in Bruins country right here. So uh, we're, we're rooting for the Bees, and wow, that would be an amazing final, Bruins and Edmonton, no, no doubt about that. Well, when did your... It was, would be. Yeah, oh, it would be, yeah, yeah, it certainly would. When, when did your love of uh, horse racing uh, first begin? Early, uh, I was probably about 16 years old, and uh, friends of my family used to go to the track all the time, and they took me along one time, and, and I got hooked right away. Yeah, it, it is uh, it is something that can uh, can pull you in and and hook you. There's no there's no doubt about it. And this year we're celebrating, believe it or not, I, I can't believe this, the 50th yeah, anniversary 50 <laughs> of, of, of Secretariat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 1973 was the year, and uh, uh, an historic uh, Triple Crown victory for uh, Secretariat. And the rider was Ron Turcott, who uh, grew up as one of 14 children in the remote uh, and extremely small logging town of Drummond, New Brunswick. And uh, how did Ron Turcott from uh, very remote Drummond, New Brunswick, uh, make it big on, on the U.S. racing circuit? Well, it's almost an implausible story of how Ron got started. Uh, he was uh, worked in the lumberjack camps with his dad and his brothers. And uh, when he was uh, 18 years old, he had enough of it. And he left New Brunswick to go to Toronto to see if he could find work there. And he wound up picking worms at cemeteries and golf courses. <laughs> he got paid one, $3 for a 1,000 worms. <laughs> and they, they were... <laughs> Both him and his best friend were ready to go back home to New Brunswick because they were broke. And Ron came down the uh, stairs at the boarding house where he was living. And the boarding house uh, landlord was watching the Kentucky Derby. And uh, Ron asked him what he was watching. And the landlord said, well, it's the Kentucky Derby, the biggest race in the world. And he said, you know, and actually, you know, you're about the right size. That's what you should be doing. You should be a jockey. And Ron said, what's a jockey? And the landlord <laughs> said, the little guys in the white pants. <laughs> he didn't and even know what a jockey was. Huh? Didn't know what a jockey was. He'd never been in a saddle. He'd never seen a thoroughbred race. And uh, him and his buddy, his Reg Calce, they went to Woodbine. They got a job as a, uh, Ron got a job as a hot walker. And Reg got a job in the track kitchen. And uh, within two years after, I said, never being in a saddle before, Ron was Canada's leading jockey. Wow. So it all started at Woodbine uh, in Toronto. All started in Woodbine, yeah, yeah. in uh, 1960. Man. And so in addition now to uh, the most famous brother, Ron, uh, four other Turcotte yeah. brothers uh, fled the Canadian wilderness and, and had also had uh, yeah. great success as jockeys. Yeah, uh, Noel followed, and uh, he was a top rider in Canada. And then Rudy came along, and Ron said that Rudy was probably a better rider than he was. Rudy won races up and down the uh, 
the Atlantic Sea coast. Everywhere he went, he was a leading rider. And uh, he was New York's leading rider one year, and Ron was second. And Eves was a top rider in Alberta. Uh, Roger was a leading apprentice rider in North America in 1975. And Noel was a very good rider in Canada. And among them, 8,251 yeah. wins. Yeah, that's just uh, in- incredible. And uh, they combined for just shy of $60 million in, in prize money. I mean, it's truly uh, an amazing story. And I, I don't think, I, I can't remember it ever being told, to tell you the truth. Uh, but, you know, certainly knew about, you know, Ron Turcotte, and uh, he came right. to prominence with Secretariat. But, uh, you know, didn't really know about the, the other uh, racing Turcots, although I I might have seen one or two of them at uh, Rockingham Park in New Hampshire over the years. I don't know, but... Uh, yeah, 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 well, Rudy would have ridden in Rockingham. Yeah. And I think Roger did, too. Yeah, that, that was a great, great track uh, in the day. Um, unfortunately, it no longer exists, yeah. but... Uh, but it, it, right, yeah. Uh, so uh, you got to know Ron first, correct? Right, yeah, yeah. And uh, so how did how did how did he get the mount on on Secretariat? Well, he was uh, he was riding quite a few horses for Lucien Laurent, who was the trainer of Secretariat. They were both French Canadians, yeah. So they had uh, they had that to go together with, and uh, Lucien wanted to. Ron to ride secretary in his first start, of course, because he knew that this horse was special. But Ron had another engagement, so they put on a an apprentice rider in his first start, Paul Feliciano. And Paul, unfortunately, got secretary into all sorts of trouble, and he finished fourth. So Ron... But then after that, yeah. Ron took over. Yeah. And what a run. Uh, what a run it was. So how, how did you get to know the, the rest of the, the uh, Turcotte jockeys? Well, uh, Rudy, I uh, tracked him down in Florida, and uh, then uh, we spent many hours on the phone talking. That was before he passed away. And uh, Roger and Eve, they both rode in Alberta, which is the province that I live in. Mm-hmm. And I got to know uh, both Eve and uh, Roger very well. Unfortunately, uh, there was bad things that, that happened to all the Turcotte brothers. In addition to the triumphs they had, there was a lot of tragedy. Uh, Ron, of course, was heard in 1975 in uh, in New York, uh, in uh, and he was uh, in an accident and was paralyzed from the waist down. And the other riders, uh, the other brothers, they had their their bad moments too. Of course, more than just moments. Uh, Noel and uh, and Roger both took their lives. Rudy was an alcoholic and died of alcoholism. And Eves was in a race similar to the one that uh, befell Ron, and he was in an accident, uh, fractured his skull, and had three brain bleeds, and was told that he could never ride again. Yeah, very tragic, and uh, you know, horse, horse racing is a yeah. sport that can uh, really take its toll on on the body and, and the mind. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, that's oh yeah. Proof positive what you have uh, what you have told us and and what you have written and uh, certainly no exception in the Turcotte family despite uh, all of their great success. How how is Ron doing these days? He's doing great. He's in a wheelchair, but he gets around very well. We went to uh, New Brunswick to see him for three days three years ago, 
And wherever he goes, there are lineups of people who want to still talk to him. When we met in the hotel lobby, there had to be 20 people around him, uh, all wanting his autograph and just wanting to talk about uh, life in New Brunswick. And uh, when we went to his house, there was a knock on the door, and there was two ladies who had driven all the way up from Kentucky to get his autograph. Wow. He was kind of been more accommodating. Isn't that something? We drove from Kentucky to New Brunswick. That, that's quite a trek. Yeah. That, that is quite a trek. <laughs> quite a trip, yeah. That, we just that, stopped at, uh, at the Grand Falls Visitor's booth and uh, asked if they knew where Ron lived. They told him where Ron lived, and they went and knocked on the door, and Ron gave him a picture, an autographed picture of Secretary winning the Belmont by 31 lengths, that iconic picture. Wow, that, that that is something. And, of course, he has been wheelchair-bound for uh, quite some time, since since the 70s. That's unreal. You, you think about that number of 82-51 wins and, and how much more there could have been if he had not become oh. injured. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're speaking yeah, with... He's just uh, getting rolling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Curtis Stock is our guest. Curtis, can you stay with us for a few more minutes? We have to take a quick break here. Sure. Curtis Stock is uh, joining us from... Edmonton, Alberta, and he predicts, folks, if you missed it, a Bruins-Edmonton Oilers Stanley Cup final. I would love to see that. The book is The Turcots, The Remarkable Story of a Horse Racing Dynasty, and we'll have more with Curtis right after these words. Kale & Company continues right here on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Kale and Company live here on WKXL and joined today by Curtis Stock. He is a member of the Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame, and uh, that that's quite an honor. Yeah, it was uh, very special when I got that call uh, three years ago to get into the Hall of Fame. It's uh, it was uh, very uh, humbling and gratifying. How long have you been uh, riding racing? Uh, about uh, 30 years. 30 years. Uh, I start, yeah, I started uh, at the Calgary Herald uh, covering harness racing, and uh, then I went from the Herald to Toronto where I worked for the Ontario Jockey Club, and then I went to uh, Edmonton where I worked for the Edmonton Journal. Now, uh, what is the, the racing scene like these days in, uh, in your province of uh, Alberta? Well, it's not anywhere close to what it used to be. Edmonton actually used to have the per, highest per capita betting total in North America. Uh, they used to bet $1 million on track live every Saturday. Um, and they raced five days a week, and they raced uh, from uh, early spring to late fall. But now they're down to about two races a, a week now, and the betting is not close to what it used to be at Portland. You know, it's it's funny because we are seeing uh, these days more and more horse racing on TV than than ever before. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And we're able to wager on it from our from our lazy boys at home. So uh, what that's ki- right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What kind of an impact has that had on on the sport in general in terms of of handles and and attendance as well? Well, it, it, it's really helped, that's for sure, because as you say, you have easy access. You can bet on all the tracks in North America right from your living room or for wherever you are, just uh, just uh, downloading uh, an app and 
and uh, it's, it's, it's really helped, and uh, the racing is, is strong in a lot of places. No, that's true, and uh, you know, especially I think of of New York. There are a lot of tracks that are, are yeah. doing uh, uh, very well there. Uh, what what about in in Canada in general? Well, Toronto is very strong. Toronto has yeah. a very strong racing market, and uh, they're doing very well. Yeah, and that well, that's that's good to hear. I mean, it's it's different now that there's so much access to uh, to horse well, racing on on TV, and I'm sure you you have it in Canada as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a Racing Across America show that's done on uh, weekends that I watch, and they show all the top races of the week. And uh, now, right now, leading up to the Kentucky Derby, of course, they're all showing the prep race, what races, and, uh, about who's going to win the Kentucky Derby this year. Yeah, hey. as you said, it's the 50th anniversary of Secretariat. So, now that's a big deal, and you you have written a, a great book. The book is called "The Turcots: The Remarkable and It Truly Is the Remarkable Story of a Horse Racing Dynasty." And I have not had the opportunity to read the book as yet, but I I'm looking forward to it. It's part biography, part oral history, and part creative nonfiction. What what is the creative nonfiction part? Well, it's just uh, conversations with uh, with the brothers and going through uh, many, 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 many hours of research of uh, newspapers uh, detailing the Turcotte's wins. And uh, so I use quotes from uh, the interviews in the book uh, from newspapers, and uh, some of it is just uh, creative nonfiction. No. That- but it's a nonfiction novel. Nonfiction novel, okay. And so I, the, the sad part is that, that Ron Turcott, who rode Secretariat to the Triple Crown 50 years ago, uh, did not have the chance to ride Secretariat in Secretariat's no. finale at the Canadian right. International Championship. What happened there? He got a suspension, uh, riding and traction suspension, uh, it was uh, races October 28th of 1973, the Canadian International, and he was uh, heartbroken. He could have he could have appealed the suspension, but he being the gentleman that he is, he didn't feel that was right. And uh, Eddie Maple rode uh, secretary in his last start, and uh, it was one of his uh, most uh, accomplished wins. He was just getting good at at the end of his career. He wasn't finished by any means. Ron said we had never seen the best of Secretary, that he is just getting good right now. Right, so that was in uh, October of '73. So, and, and right, how long did Secretariat live? What how what was his lifespan? Uh, not very long. I believe it was 1989 when he died of uh, laminitis, which is an injury to the uh, sole of the uh, uh, horse's foot, and. Uh, he just went downhill very quickly, and they had to uh, humanly just put him to sleep. Uh, did, did Ron ever have to whip Secretariat? Not very often. No. <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, not in the Belmont and uh, not in the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness. He was, uh, he, I guess he did. He had to rouse him a little bit in the Preakness there against Sham. But uh, in the Kentucky Derby, he ran every quarter faster than the one before, which is never, ever done. And that record still holds as yeah. his Belmont 31-length victory. Well, I, I remember that Belmont when he wrapped up the uh, the, yeah. the Triple Crown. There was no other horse in sight, I don't think. 
<laughs> no, he won by a football field. Yeah, it was, was amazing. It was truly. And uh, Lucian was wondering if Ron had gone crazy the way he was opening up and opening up and opening it up. And he kept saying, I just hope he doesn't fall off. <laughs> really? I mean, it was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it, that finish at the Belmont. And uh, and what about the Secretariat? Do you have any feel? Was he known as a, a, a friendly horse? Yeah. Yeah, very friendly horse. Big Red was his nickname, and uh, he was very, very gentle horse. Well, that's that, that's good to hear. And uh, I, I tell you, it's good to, that you know the 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 sport of kings is is still alive. I know in in a lot of places it's not what yeah. it once was, but uh, we're getting to see a lot of it. And I'm sure the the ratings for the Triple Crown races will be. Will be very good this year, as they as they always are. What what are you working on on now? Uh, just doing uh, interviews on the book right now. Uh, I'm I'm retired and uh, spent three years writing the book, and now I'm just doing uh, interviews like this one. Very good. Well, thirty five yeah. interviews scheduled. <laughs> how, how, how many? Thirty-five. Thirty-five. Well, you're a popular guy. You're a popular guy, Curtis Stock, and and justifiably so. It's it's a great story. Uh, looking forward to uh, reading the book, The Turcots, the remarkable story of a horse racing dynasty. It's it's just out. It's it's a terrific read, especially if you have uh, any interest a, at all in in horse racing. And uh, do, you, do you go uh, to the Kentucky Derby? Have you been there often or any of the uh, Triple Crown races? You know, I've never been to a uh, Triple Crown race. Uh, we saw the uh, Breeders' Cup, uh, but never the, it's always still been a goal to, to go watch the Kentucky Derby. I was hoping it was going to happen this year, uh, especially being the 50th anniversary, but it's not going to happen, unfortunately. Well, well, Curtis, we appreciate your time today, and uh, I, I will take your tip. You said Forte is your pick for the Derby right now, your early early line pick here? Yeah, but I'm looking for a long shot. I don't like betting favorites. I look yeah. for a long shot. Yeah, so what's, what, of, what's the point? Test one out. <laughs> yeah. what, what's the point of betting a favorite? You're not going to get too much in return, right? So No, especially not with Forte, the way he's been winning. Uh, he's going to be... Uh, most even money, so yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and and I hope like last year, but right, right. I remember that. Yeah, uh, and uh, I hope your other prediction is correct too. The uh, the Bruins and the Edmonton Oilers. That would be one terrific final, I think. Yeah, I don't know how the Oilers blew the first game there. They were up three to one and uh, lost it in overtime. But uh, uh, the Bruins. Uh, I'm a little worried about the sicknesses going through their locker room right now. Yeah, I think right. A lot of players got the flu. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they played. Bergeron didn't play, and correct. Yeah, and they're playing. We don't know how uh, Patrice is going to uh, if he's going to be in the lineup tonight or not. But uh, we'll see. But the Bruins and Florida will play game two tonight at the uh, TD Garden. Curtis, you've been terrific, yeah. and uh, I know you have a, a busy schedule with the interviews, so. Thank you very much for your time, and uh, we look forward to reading the book. Yeah, I appreciate that, Ken. It's very nice of you to have me on. Well, it is our pleasure. Curtis Stock, a member of the Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame. Curtis, best wishes to you.
Best wishes to you, too. Thanks so much. And the book again, The Remarkable, The Turcots, The Remarkable Story of a Horse Racing Dynasty, Ron Turcott. Boy, I, I can't believe it was 50 years ago. The Secretary won the Triple Crown. There hadn't been a Triple Crown winner in years, and Secretariat won it. And uh, that uh, Secretariat was just so far ahead of the field in the television shot of him crossing the finish, lo- finish line, you couldn't see any other horses in the picture. Uh, and as uh, our, our guest Curtis said, he won it by a football field. It was quite an, an incredible Triple Crown run for Secretariat with Ron Turcott in the saddle, one of 14 children, one of five jockey brothers. Just a, a remarkable story. Well, that'll do it. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun. Thanks to Scott Spradling for joining us today and to Curtis Stock. But especially thanks to you uh, for joining us here on uh, Kale & Company Live on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. We'll be back tomorrow. This show will repeat, be repeated in its entirety tonight at 7 o'clock, just after 7 o'clock right here on WKXL. Have a great Wednesday, everybody.